Welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast series. Our guest today is Kiran Suryadevara. She's a senior director, Real World Evidence Products at Concert AI, a product and analytics innovator at the intersection of healthcare, data, and technology. Kiran has expertise in deconstructing complex clinical content to build and implement enterprise digital health solution. at early stage startup she's an expert in product development and value analysis with extensive knowledge of the evolving healthcare ecosystem and key business drivers for stakeholders kiran is a fellow with hit lab and has a doctor of pharmacy degree from st john's university hi kiran welcome to the show we're so excited to have you with us today thank you so much for having me what do you do today for our listeners if you can just briefly tell us what you do and how you got here yeah so i am the senior director of product management at an organization called uh, concert ai so um my role there includes defining product strategy and defining the product roadmap for our data products or suite of data products. So I got to this role through a series of um twists and turns. I'm a pharmacist by training and trade practice in oncology pharmacy in the early part of my career um and then I pivoted into tech about 6 years ago. The general interest in technology not really understanding the roles that that would make up within a small startup and I ended up getting nestled into um product a hybrid of a clinical and product role which really just married a lot of my pharmacy experience working in oncology with some of the high growth needs of a small early stage startup um and from there i just had a um significant interest in using that leveraging my clinical experience to build technology solutions so just in a series of startups a lot of product and analytics roles um building out solutions led me to my current position so why pharmacy like why why did you choose to be a pharmacist in the first place it was a hybrid choice i would say so i actually just always grew up following politics and really interested in you know news and current events and so i had wanted to go into international affairs or political science my parents had a little bit of a different vision um they you know had their perspective you know being immigrants and coming here and giving us an education their perspective was have a steady job you know have a stable um degree and then you can go do whatever it is that you want to do which is sort of what happened just not in the field that i had originally thought um but yeah so that's how i ended up in pharmacy school for someone who was not interested in science at all i ended up um getting into a few pharmacy school programs and just chose the one that i thought was most right for me and ended up coming out and somewhere in in pharmacy school i did really have a passion for practicing um i knew that wasn't going to be my end goal but really happy i started my career in actual clinical practice you know i'm sure there'll be some more pivots along the way but that's how i ended up in tech with this pharmacy background so now being in this field for a while now looking back do you think things would have been different if you had actually gone with the political science career i think things would have been different i would have graduated college i was in a 6 year pharmacy program so i graduated in 2011 i would have graduated in 09 if i had gone to any other program other than the program that i was in which was a really terrible year to come out of college especially from what i would assume would be a, a liberal arts degree that would would have been international relations or political science it just would have been very tough um so i was i think just for the mere fact of timing things would have been very different i don't know what the job market would have been i don't it was not great for a lot of my friends who did come out of school at that time so i don't know that i would have ended up in tech at all i probably would have ended up in a completely different field that made sense just to have some sort of job and whatever path came out of that 
So you're in Bay Area, right? That's like the technology hub. So many companies, so many people who are like experts in technology. So when you were getting into this hybrid roles where you needed to know technology as well, were you a little bit scared? It was interesting because my tech journey actually started in New York, which at that time when I had made the transition, tech was just booming, not just in healthcare, but across the board. It was just starting. The boom was just starting. So it wasn't really an established space as much as it had been here for almost a decade in the Bay Area. So I got my intro into tech while I was in New York. And so I think the climate, at least at that time, wasn't this golden era of technology. It was, you know, just software engineers and product managers and operations and finance folks um, hoping to become a Silicon Valley tech startup. Um, So I think the pressure was not as high as it would have been if I made the transition here. I think that the culture there was still everyone sort of learning how to be part of this like tech startup, or at least that's how it felt. Um, and, And it helped that I started at a new company or at a small company where it was bringing in software engineers that didn't have healthcare experience. So it almost was a symbiotic relationship where because I had the clinical expertise that we were building the clinical product out of, I needed to work with technologists to be able to do that. And they needed my expertise. And in turn, I got a lot of, you know, they were able to help me learn, learn processes, learn, you know, not necessarily code, but like how to become a product manager, how to look at tech. And I think what was really helpful is that how we're trained in pharmacy schools to almost be a problem solver in a regular pharmacy situation, whether that be, you know, a community setting or a hospital setting, which my background is in hospital, you sit in between a lot of different groups, you sit in between, um, physicians, nurses, patients, and you're really just like mitigating blockers. So, you know, whether it's a, you know, medication that's meant for that disease state dosing, there's always some conflict between the different stakeholders, even in dispensing like a single drug. So I think that way that we were trained does really lend itself to being in amidst a lot of different groups coming together to put together a technology solution. So I, I leveraged a lot of what I had already known in terms of like planning. And then I had just had people who sort of had to teach me so I could help them. So during this whole process, I'm sure you had allies, right? Who were able to help you. You were able to help them. As you said, it was a symbiotic relationship, right? Where you both together kind of moved the agenda forward for the company. Let's talk a little bit about that. So in your life, how has that worked out for you? And how have you really built allies, whether it be in work or in life, where you have these strong relationships where you're all helping each other? Yeah, I think there's, for me, and I think for most people, there's two ways, right? So the the professional aspect of it, I, I think that in the times that we're at these startups, and a part of it was because they were smaller organizations um, that were basically looking to survive and get a product out. I don't know that there was a ton of allyship. And I think that that's, you know, one of the things that I do reflect on a lot, um, especially with a new generation of women who are reaching out, trying to get some perspective. I didn't really have a mentor or or what I felt like a professional ally really in any of my roles, which has you know made it sort of difficult to really narrow in on what I want to focus in on and also kind of have the coaching and like the business acumen that was lacking in my, uh, you know, my college education. You don't, you know, we didn't have, have a ton of classes to really go out and function within like boardrooms, right? Or like um, whatever the proverbial table is. So I, I feel like that is an aspect that I have had had to sort of learn on my own and really just, I wouldn't even say perfect, just learn as 
I fell um, and it got messy at times. Well, I would have loved to have a mentor of some sort. I do think that there is some sort of resilience and being able to figure it out myself, but I don't know that I would, like I would, I think going forward for me, at least I would like to help other people figure it out and like be a mentor to other people. And it's just really shaped, not having a mentor is shaped how I want to lead, whether that be within an organization or just you know, in different sort of capabilities. Personally, I have a lot of folks that I have had relationships with over the course of many phases of my life. And I think that is probably where my strongest allyship comes from. And I experience that whether those are personal challenges or professional challenges, I don't know if my top of the funnel has been really filtered um, in terms of ingesting friends across the, you know, last 20 years of my life. But I've just had you know, really strong, both female and male role models. So talking about role models, did you have any specific role models growing up? I wouldn't say specific. I mean, I definitely think that my mother and then my aunts, um, family friends are just, you know, strong women were role models. I don't know, career wise, there were any people doing the types of things that I wanted to be doing, which at that time, and still maybe is a little unclear of what that looks like in the future, but there weren't anyone, there wasn't anyone that was, was doing the things that I wanted to be doing. But I think personally, the person I want to be the person, you know, the non-work things, you know, the character building, I think I had a lot of role models and my mother being one of them and just, you know, various family members. And as I grew, you know, grew older and as I've, you know, kept these relationships, I think that it's weird to consider a peer role model, but, um, you know, folks that I had known in college for the last 15 years, they've just been just extraordinary, you know, parents and spouses and community members and have achieved different type levels of success in their own right. And I think that as I continue to grow into where I want to be, which is a little bit of a question mark, I think it's, it's really nice to have those people to look at and just see a version of stability that I think is probably lacking when you see the larger world these days. You kind of started your career and kind of built your career in this whole lean-in movement timeframe. So what have you learned out of that? I have an interesting perspective on this, which may not be aligned with maybe other women of my age bracket. I think that it was a cool thing to have, you know, read. I think the more I advanced in my career and actually, so when Lean In came out, I was still a pharmacist. Shortly after that, like a year or two after that, I transitioned into tech and I brought with me what I thought was the Lean In energy. And I think that it's definitely from a very, it's going to sound negative, but like a privileged perspective. I think that like the hustle to do it and have it all doesn't actually work. And I think the more that I talk to working parents that are my age and maybe a little bit older, they've offered some interesting insight where you can't, you can have it all, but you can't. And I think you as what you and I also talked about this, you can have it all, but you can't have it at the same time. I don't know that I fully bought into it, um, especially having been in tech and kind of just, it's, it wasn't always an easy ride and it involved all of the things. My journey involved all of the negative things about working in tech startups that you hear about. And so I, I found it a very difficult concept to wrap my head around. Now I feel, and this might be a post-COVID feeling, that like prioritization is so important. And I just like redefining what you want in your life, what I want in my life is sort of the journey I'm on right now. And that's maybe not in line with the principles of lean in, which is more of like be hungry, hustle. You know, I don't think life is about hustling. I think definitely in the early years of your career, you're going to have to work hard if you want to be successful. But, you know, it can't be, we can't all just be working 14 hour days every day. 
which is what I've been doing, you know, for many, many years. And it's just not how you find your happiness. So I don't know what the, I hope there is a new movement. It's sounding like there is, you know, so many people, millennials that are leaving the workforce right now to realign their, you know, what they want to have in a job experience. Um, so I do hope that there's a new movement that comes out of that to really just prioritize self-care over titles and compensation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you brought up a really great point. A lot of millennials, especially women between the age of 27 and 35, have left the workforce or are planning to. I think there was a number thrown out, 2 million people in yeah. that age group and women left the workforce due to pandemic to take care of their families. So in this era where, you know, we kind of are still struggling to find that equilibrium of how women can have position and happiness and work-life balance, you're seeing more and more women drop out from this movement. What are your thoughts about that? And how do you think that's going to impact people like you who are left in that movement, trying to carry it forward by yourself? because you're kind of losing the crowd behind you. Yeah, well, I mean, so, and I think one thing that's really important to note about that 2 million figure is that it is, you know, there is a significant amount of millennials between those ages that are leaving. But, and I think this will tie back into kind of my larger point on this, but a huge majority of that 2 million are people who do not want to leave the workforce, who are leaving because, you know, they lost their jobs. A lot of women are primary caretakers and they, you know, had to take care of their fam- their kids who are now homeschooled for a year and a half and God knows how much longer, you know, and women who lost their jobs because they're service workers or, you know, positions that are generally lean more towards a composition of female than male. And what I think the lean in movement has already left behind are those types of women, like not the ones that are voluntarily leaving the workforce the ones that had to leave the workforce for X, Y, and Z reason that was beyond their control. And women who just, you know, whether they need a break or not, they didn't have that choice. Whereas I think a remnant of that lean-in movement is like taking control of your life, which is what I think the privileged position of those 27 to 35 year olds are able to do. And I think that like those women can't be left behind. Their women are a huge part of the economy. We, We have to figure out how to get them, the ones that want to get back into the workforce to get back into the workforce. And I think naturally this you can have it all take breaks when you need to take breaks it's going to dissolve because the amount of women that are starting to get voices that didn't have like social media voices that aren't ceos and ceos of companies to kind of prophesize on the lean-in movement i think it's just that dynamic is shifting and i think the everyday woman is getting more of a platform to be able to exercise you know and speak about what is most important to them to get them back into the workforce and to be honest, like that they need to be our priority. I don't, I think there's definitely like a huge focus on all of us, 27 to 35, redefining our lives, but there is other women that just need support in ways that a lean in movement can't. It's gotta be us like advocating for them. So as you said, you know, last two years have been tough on many families for different reasons. How did you cope during COVID? What were your positives and what were some of the negatives for you? Overall, every day I am in deep gratitude for how well I, you know, have not been impacted or how much I've not been impacted by it. Um, I think one of the hardest things when the pandemic had started was being on the West Coast and, you know, New York and New Jersey, the East Coast was in shambles, just worrying for family. I have a lot of friends that are friends and family that are physicians or pharmacists um, that were going to work every day and, you know, getting sick. And for a long time, we didn't know how it was spreading, like what was what it was going to do. And I trained in New York City hospitals and worked in New York City hospitals. So you know, when you hear these horror stories about filled out ICUs and beds and like hallways of entrances, I know what that actually is. Like I've, I've been in that hallway. So that was a 
I think really difficult to digest. But overall, I think I had a really good situation. I was living with um, a roommate at the time and he and I were in a you know nice large apartment. We had our own space. Um, we had some outdoor space and we you know had a very good rhythm. So I think mental health wise where a lot of people suffered, I was fine. But I did leave a job during the pandemic, which was by choice, which was an interesting choice. But I think that was probably where the most uncertainty came from. It was a role that I was very unhappy at, had been very unhappy at. And just with everything else going on in the world, I just couldn't, I couldn't, it all was too much. So I left the role, took some time to really understand what I wanted to do. And I guess was the most amount of uncertainty, but it was, you know, self-caused. So again, just going back to the gratitude piece of it. So congratulations on your new job then. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I actually had another role before the current role. Just looking back, right? Like what are some of the things we can improve upon? Some of the biggest issues that are at work are just an understanding of the challenges women face. I think there's a couple of different angles, right? It's not one big bucket. For like progression of career, I had often found myself sitting at tables filled with men. That's, I worked in tech, I worked with software engineers. That's just 99% of the time is what's going to happen. I had to learn how to navigate myself through those situations, but I think it's not, it should not be on the woman to do it or like the women in the group to do it. I think men also need to be trained to allow spaces for women and not have to like have women navigate through it. Like it should just be like, you know, a group of people that are able to interact with each other and not have it become a boys club. And I think that, you know, while I think there's been a lot said about changes in the workplace around that, especially after the Me Too movement, I, I don't know that there has been a significant change. I think, you know, some of these old mentalities are, are back and they're the only thing that's changed is that they're covered with the perception of equity. That's one thing I think a lot of companies do, are doing a lot in terms of offering, especially here in the Bay Area, it's almost part of a competitive package. If you, you have to offer familial leave, I think that's an important thing. And I think when it comes, it's not just in the traditional sense of like family leave, you know, especially um, people who go through infertility or, you know, people who are adopting sick families. I think that's one of the things um, I read in a really interesting article about on LinkedIn recently about a woman who in it, like for Indian cultures, you consider everyone in a close aunt and uncle. And that's like part of your like immediate family. I know I do. And so being able to use leave for uh, those types of funerals or that type of care. And I think there, that all ties into a larger piece of understanding, like not just saying you understand diversity, like understanding diversity at like a very cultural level um, and then being able to translate that into your workspace. I think that definitely getting women into positions of power, you eliminate a lot of issues, especially when it comes to harassment or, you know, dis sexual discrimination. So I think the, those are really tangible things. And I know that we say that we do it. It's just when I talk to other women in the space, it just, it seems very topical. And I think an investment in actually carrying out the actions is really what we need. So somebody who's just coming out of college and wants to be in this health tech business in a role like yours, what would you advise them? What, were, what are some of the things they should watch out for and skills they should try to build? Yeah, I think it's an interesting time to ask that question because when I has went into health tech, digital health, it's a completely different space. This last two years, has turned this into the hottest field. It attracts a lot of people for better or for worse. And I think it's, and it's the reason why I went into tech. Um, but I think that the idea that coming into, you know, using your skills to come into health tech, digital health space to really do good 
on a larger level is while Valiant is not, you know, not a good perspective to come into it because, or not the only perspective to come into it, because I think that what's actually happening in these startups is, you know, a lot of ideas and, you know, we're all hoping that one of them or two of them or handful of them will actually make a difference, but because it's so such an inflated market, it's not as noble to come in. The noble idea of just coming in and, you know, you, you're a pharmacist, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're really going to change it up. You're going to show them, you know, all the good things and the human impact of what they're doing. And I just don't think that that's where it's at. But having said that, I think that um, coming in, you're graduating college, you're coming into the health tech, digital health space, a new perspective to bring into those groups is like something, the most valuable aspect. Um, and that's as little as how do you treat your coworkers? Um, how do you treat people who are not at the same level as you all the way up to, you know, I came from this background and I can offer this perspective. And I think there's real, real emphasis on collaboration that can can be there. You know, where I am in my journey right now, I'm not sure that my impact in healthcare will be through technology and that's okay. And that's okay. If you go into it, you do it and you realize that actually going back into pharmacy or being a physician or some hybrid of that or another career path is fine. During your career in the past few years, have you had any challenges that you faced because you were a woman and how did you overcome those challenges? Yeah, I think my first startup, I feel like situation where I think that being a woman did impact some career growth. It was very obvious and it was also not, they didn't try very hard to cover up that it was a boys club. And so that was something that I felt like I had to always fight to get into. At the end of the day, what I ended up doing was just leaving. And that was, I think, the greatest lesson that I could teach myself. Yeah, you know, job security is important. Having a job is important, but I was confident enough in my own skills and abilities that I knew that you know, it may take some time, but this wasn't the only job. It was, it was less about me being lucky to be there. It was, you're lucky to have me. And these are all the other people that I'm sure there's other companies that are going to want me. And I, the thing that I would tell other people that doesn't matter what the reason is, one of the more obvious ones is if you experience sexism, you should just leave. People are looking, companies are looking for people to work for them. And there's a hundred thousands of other companies that you can go to. No, absolutely. And if you have confidence and you have talent, people are looking for knowledgeable people. So absolutely. So any closing comments, Kiran? Yeah, I think that one of the things that, you, you know, you and I were talking about was the journeys that we all take. Um, and I guess I would be considered and consider myself mid-career at this point. I think I'm going through a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a transformation, but really just a lot of reflecting on what it is that I want and how much time that I want to give to get to the next level. And if that level is worth, you know, working as much as one would have to work and managing as much as one would have to manage. And I've, I've been on this thought process of maybe typical one job, one role, experience may not be what I find successful or what I define as success. And maybe there's, you know, different pieces of the puzzle that I can give my time to that will fulfill me professionally and, you know, personally. And I think that when you are mid-career traditionally, it's how do you get to the top of your license, top of your career. I am reading that a lot of people are redefining what they consider success. And I, you know, I really do hope that there is a movement now to teach, you know, the new grads that it doesn't have to be the hustle. It's not all about compensation. It's not all about titles. And I really hope that like what we learned, the lessons that we learned in COVID really will inform, you know, what we consider important. It's, it, it can't just be this model of working five, six, sometimes seven days a week. What's the point of that? Well, thank you so much, Kiran, for your time and the great advice and all the experiences that you shared with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.